Sup Freaks, it's your boy Marty here to intro this long rip of Rabbit Hole Recap, man. I just went about an hour and 50 minutes, very dense episode, very fun episode. I think you guys are going to love it. It's brought to you by your good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchain yourself. Unchained Capital. That's not one of their slogans, Unchain Yourself. Um, I just ran with that for some reason. But what does Unchained Capital do? They're helping Bitcoiners out by providing them with financial services with a security-first mindset. They want to stay true to the Bitcoin ethos by allowing you to have control over UT- your UTXOs at every step of the process that you engage with them. Uh, whether that be through their Vault program, which is a two or three multi-sig quorum that you engage in with Unchained, in which you hold two or three keys using a treasure or a ledger and soon to be a cold card as well. Uh, so that you can move your UTXOs out of that vault, out of that multi-sig wallet whenever you want to, um, by yourself without Unchained being involved. But if you're ever in a pinch, you only have one key on you and you need uh, that second key to be signed in that 2 or 3 quorum, Unchained is there with a the key as well to help you move those UTXOs. On top of that, they have their vault program where you use Bitcoin as collateral to get same-day liquidity in U.S. dollars. If you don't want to sell your Bitcoin and don't want the tax burdens of selling your Bitcoin for capital gains, uh, you can uh, get a collateralized loan in which you put Bitcoin up as collateral. You get U.S. dollars, and then that is also a multi-sig setup where you hold one key, uh, an escrow service holds another, and Unchained holds a third, and you can always uh, use your key to prove that your UTXOs are where Unchained is telling you they are. Uh, and then beyond that, they've, they're rolling out an OTC desk right now. It's available in Texas, California, and Illinois, uh, for people who want to purchase a big blocks of Bitcoin, uh, pun intended. And, uh, on top of that, they have the incredible open source initiatives that they've been working on, which include Caravan, which is an open source, uh, uh, release of their multi-sig quorum if you don't want unchained involved at all they've open sourced the software that allows you to create these multi-sig wallets uh they're also working on bip 39 bip 39 excuse me slip 39 not bip 39 and uh hermit and on top of that they have an incredible blog uh, which includes parker lewis's gradually then suddenly uh joe kelly drew bunsall uh will cole and uh buck are putting out incredible content go to www.unchained.com dash capital.com that's www.unchained-capital.com check out all this stuff uh unchained doing incredible things this app's also brought to you by the motherfucking cash app cash app cash app's helping you stack sats send sats receive sats and sell sats if you so please on top of that they're making sats the standard no more stacking fractions of Bitcoin. You can stack whole sats. Uh, on top of that, you can DCA into sats. You can set it and forget it. DCA, what is that, Marty? What is that, Uncle Marty? What's DCA? Dollar cost average. If you want to set it and forget it, just buy a uh, an equal amount of Bitcoin on a certain key. And so it'll be daily, weekly, bi-weekly. Cash App is allowing you to do that. On top of that, they have Cash App Investing, which allows you to stack slivers of stonks, if you so please. Uh, if your favorite stock is a little too expensive and you can't afford the whole thing, you can buy as little as $1 via Cash App Investing. Uh, and because this is all connected to your bank account, there's no three to four to four to five, five to six day waiting periods. Uh, you can start investing and stacking sats today. Cash App Investing is a subsidiary of Square and member SIPC. 
as always, make sure you use the code STACKINGSATS. That's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. Enjoy this rip of Rabbit Hole Recap. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your life. You only got one to live. Embrace it. Take advantage of the day. Seize the day. Carpe diem, as they would say in uh, Dead Poet Society. Enjoy. Take care. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Rabbit Hole Recap. It's your boy Marty on the back porch studio, in the back porch studio, actually sandwiched between a couple of uh, slip and slide parties from my neighbors in the backyards. Uh, literally just started right before we hit record, so record, record. So uh, forgive me if uh, there's, there's sounds in the background. Matt, what are you sipping on today? I am sipping on some Tamdu. Definitely pronounced that wrong. T-A-M-D-H-U. It's from uh, the Scottish Scottish Highlands. I've got what do you sip? Got on? some Blanton's bourbon here. The Blanton's that uh, you were gifted a bottle too, I I believe, when we were given those uh, those miners. The one with the horse on the top, right? Yes, yes. Very delicious. Very delicious whiskey. I love the horse. When I went to Iceland, in Iceland, alcohol is, everything is extremely expensive in Iceland. It's one of the only places in the world I've been where the cost of living is more expensive than New York City, uh, which is a very weird feeling. And what, alcohol specifically is also extra taxed. So like a really good rule, you know, when, when international travel opens up again is you're supposed to get a shit ton of duty-free alcohol on your way to Iceland so you don't have to buy it when you get there. And I got, like, this massive bottle of Blanton's because it had a huge horse on the top. You know, the bigger the bottle, the bigger the horse. And I purely got it for that reason. Well, they sold you on marketing and aesthetics, and they follow up with their product, at least in my opinion. It's a delicious whiskey. Uh, We're going to be drinking heavily today. A lot of of big topics to talk about. Uh, what a day. Please, freaks, drink responsibly. What a day yesterday was, and we'll get into it. We'll, we'll quickly blow through uh, Clark's dashboard right now. We've got the price at $9,123. Very deep consolidation. We've been consolidating for almost 10 weeks now around this low 9000 high 9000 price range. That makes me extra bullish, actually. I, I really like this consolidation. I think it's uh, uh, not that we talk about or try to predict price movements. I just like to see when price consolidates like this. Currently at block height 639,546, 454 blocks away from block 640,000. No significance. That's just a nice, big, even number. Um, we had a difficulty adjustment earlier this week, uh, and it was a 
an increase of about 10%. The hash rate in the last 2016 blocks is averaging about 123.8 exahash a second. Uh, we have 1,542 blocks till the next retarget, which is scheduled right now. It's estimated around July 26th, uh, and that is estimated to be a, a negative 1% downward difficulty adjustment. Uh, fees right now making up 6.44% of the total block reward. Uh, we got our... Uh, core version 0 0.20.0 it is the the most downloaded uh, node version right now 22.8% of the network nodes are using that version the latest version interesting to see um, Samurai Whirlpool unspent capacity is currently at 1,154.76 Bitcoin um, the cycles in the last 30 days are 7,400 64 and the TX0 volume in the last 30 days is 366.67 Bitcoin. What have been seeing on Whirlpool stats? It looks healthy. Could be higher. Uh, we'll talk about the Twitter hacker in a, in a minute, but he didn't use Whirlpool. So no, he's looks like he didn't contribute to the volume. I've seen some uh, chain chain analysis of the Twitter hacker. He is not very smart. <laughs> Pretty bad. <laughs> Pretty much as as bad as you can get. Yeah. Uh, um, what was I going to say? Uh, you were talking about uh, consolidation of the price. Yes. Uh, and you told all the freaks to market buy. Yeah. I mean, I didn't say that directly. I was sort of alluding to it, but you can if you want to. But usually when we get into these consolidations, right, where it's just like volatility just goes down and down and down and down something big is going to happen. Yeah. It'll either break up or down really big is you, you know, that's what happens. That's the, the volatility will be back soon enough freaks. I, I mean, uh, and I think that's part of the reason why Twitter has been kind of, uh, lame. Bitcoin Twitter has been lame until the hack yesterday is because when there's like no volatility, there's just people just start going at each other. Yeah. Yeah. They start eating each other and they get bored. I try to stay above that fray. Do I do a good job? I think you do an incredible job. You you stay focused on uh, on high quality tweets. I try my best. It's very difficult. I think you do a good job though. Yesterday, I mean, yesterday was exciting. Let's just jump into yesterday. I so I talking about bullish. Uh, I said to myself, so yesterday, if you were under a rock there was a someone hacked Twitter and they were posting from major big accounts um, a Bitcoin scam. And first it was a link to a Bitcoin scam website, one of those giveaways, send Bitcoin, we'll send you 2x back. And then they just started posting BC1 addresses, just Bitcoin addresses directly into Twitter accounts, tweets. You know, in Bill Gates got hit, Barack Obama got hit, Joe Biden got hit. And I said to myself, is this bullish for Bitcoin? And I was like, everything's bullish for Bitcoin, Matt. And I just market bought. Like, I just... Uh, and it's down It's down since then. So. This is extremely the bullish. Lo lower your time preference. Extremely bullish for Bitcoin. Uh, the fact that they're using Beck 32 it literally was the best marketing day for Bitcoin this year. Dan Held, I hope you're happy. We got some grassroots uh, marketing efforts from this hacker. And we should know... Is Dan to blame for the hacker? Was the hacker like, oh, we need better marketing, and Dan convinced me. I mean, he seems like he's on top of 
the uh, the Bitcoin space particularly. I mean, he, Angelo BTC was the first to get hacked. So it's, right. It started in Bitcoin Twitter. Yeah. That's why I think it was a Bitcoiner. Yeah. Um, and then it moved to it from went from Angelo to like the exchanges, the Bitcoin exchanges, yeah. uh, then CoinDesk, and then. So my take is twofold. I think. Well, it appears now that the hacker got access to an admin console, like a super user mode of Twitter. Um, so I have two takes here that I want to start off with. Uh, I think you'd agree with me. Is The first take is, I think, I mean, it obviously shows the perils of having a centralized system uh, with admin keys, which is very common in the crypto space to have admin keys and centralized control. So something that people should really learn from this trusted third parties or security holes. And the second thing is I wouldn't be surprised if this admin console is something that was always very, you know, closely guarded and secured in their offices where I, I think you went to Square's office once, right? Yes, I did. Disclosure response to the pod. I, I imagine Square's office, which was in the same building as Twitter is very similar concept. And you have to do like KYC to go in and stuff. It's like very tightly guarded. And they have all these access controls and stuff. But now all their employees are working from home and shit. So one of their employees had the admin console like on their laptop at home. And that's how it got compromised. It's a very different situation for these companies when all their employees are working remote. Yeah. It opens up another attack vector. And uh, so that's the big question right now. A lot of people are assuming the, the motherboard came out with a good article. Uh, apparently, they're, they have sources close to the situation. They're saying that a Twitter employee was bribed to get access to this panel. And then it just gave them God mode over all these accounts. And that was the big question as the hacks were going on. A lot of people were speculating that it was a third-party service like Hootsuite that had been hacked and the API calls were being messed with. But... Uh, it later came like a lot of these accounts had 2FA on, especially the exchange accounts, and it became apparent that people were having their their email addresses changed in the background uh, without even being notified via email. So that may be a function of this admin panel. And so yeah, somebody got root access to uh, Twitter's God mode and asked for Bitcoin donations and using back 32 addresses. So you have the Chad uh, root access uh, Bitcoin scammer versus the Virgin uh, reply guy bot ETH scammer. I think that's very bullish for Bitcoin. Uh, very bad day for I very bad day for Twitter though, dude. They're gonna get they're gonna get dragged into court for this because the stock barely budged. But I mean the whole Efficient market hypothesis. The whole, What's up? The whole platform versus publisher debate is gonna get dragged really into the spotlight here because. If the screenshots of this admin tool um, are real, they have they have shadow ban list and blacklist, which Twitter has come out in the past and say they they do not um, they do not curate content or or push certain content uh, over another piece of content. So, it, have they actually said that? I think so in court too. That's what um, it's the word on the street is that. Uh, I thought it was known that they have like algorithms and shit. I thought they said they they don't shadow ban. They never admitted to shadow banning. Yeah, well, that's exactly. That's the yeah, and that's the 
ex- the shadow banning and uh, sort of uh, hashtag banning is what people are honing in on because I think in the past they said they do not do that and this screenshot like block trends and stuff yeah and the the screenshot that's going around and I can't confirm whether or not it's it's real or not but if it is real uh, that's th- those were two sort of buttons on or or tags on on the dashboard where where sh- it must be real because Twitter's deleting them yeah yeah that's another thing yeah tough so it's it's got to be real they're like basically admitting to it being real uh, well that's what like Cernovich tweeted out yesterday they're gonna get section two thirty of that bill um dragged into this discussion because if this is true uh it does make a very good case that twitter is acting as a publisher not a platform which makes things a bit um well i don't want regular i don't run regulators to be regulating all these things. no neither do i but it's not a good sign neither do i and that's why i mean twitter is shooting themselves in the foot right they should just like preempt it they should just switch back to a time-based feed they should do no moderation. They should allow you to subscribe to moderation lists and let those people moderate for you. Um, you know, I could I could imagine like you could subscribe to like all different organizations that moderate that have the power to moderate whatever you want to see, or you can just do completely unfiltered Twitter, but just time based and like that 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 takes them completely out of the equation and they can just skip all of this. One thing that's interesting is Trump. Uh, I think it was like a year ago or two years ago, like a rogue Twitter employee like deleted a bunch of his tweets or deleted his account. Deleted his account, yeah. Um, so I think they like put him on like a locked list. Like he wasn't in the admin console, which is probably one of the reasons why like Biden and Obama got hit, but he didn't get hit. Yeah, I mean, that's a scary situation about all this. Go read your Zabo freaks. Third, third parties are security holes. Trusted third parties are security holes, and. A lot of people are surmising that if Trump's account were to be hacked and this uh, hacker wasn't so gung-ho on getting Bitcoin, instead was gung-ho on uh, uh, fomenting uh, chaos in the world, he could he could hack Trump's account and send out some tweets that, that incite uh, reactions from countries uh, around the world. And it's... Uh, it's fascinating to think of how important Twitter has become as a communications tool in today's day and age and how much trust we put in that, in this platform. And it yesterday proved like, holy shit, you can't really trust that anything is safe on this platform. And so the other thing too is you shouldn't have to be, did the, did the attacker really want Bitcoin or is that just a sort of facade to really get to the DMS of these powerful people, which no, no, no. I want to push back on this like Chad hacker meme. Like this guy wasn't a Chad, like, like there's, I respect it, but like, I don't think they knew how much power they had. I think they like stumbled into it. That's why they started with Angelo first. And there's like, there's so many different ways that first of all, they could have made more money. Uh, they could have, if, if DMs were really the thing, don't do any posts. You could just silently be collecting all these different DMs and you can just be in there just for a while, you know, and just take all these DMs. There's no reason to blow up your spot. Like I'm surprised Twitter took so long to, I, I mean, 
I, I think some people mistakenly think that the hacker disabled blue checks from tweeting, which also is hilarious because I would never get a blue check. Um, but it was actually Twitter doing a safeguard. They were like, okay, we can just disable all blue checks so the hacker can't access blue checks without taking down the whole platform. But like, I'm surprised Twitter didn't just take down the whole platform, just like pull the plug uh, to try and mitigate it. And they basically did by taking down the blue checks. At least they took you know like their corporate platform down. Uh, and there's so many ways, like even like, imagine if the only, t- the only tweet that went out was like Obama pumping a shit coin, right? Or like Elon pumping a shit coin, like announcing that he had taken up a 10% position in Dogecoin or something, right? Like, and then the hacker is like a hundred X somewhere on some exchange and just like makes bank. He can make so much more than a hundred thousand dollars and, and, and one thing that I want people to realize is the total amount in the address is not how much the attacker made because they send, they intentionally send money to themselves to, to make it seem like it's more active. So it's an easier scam to fall into if you see that the address is more active. Yeah, they try to create like a group mentality. Ooh, people are sending it here. I should too. Uh, a FOMO kind of thing. Yeah. No, and I think I would agree with you there, especially after seeing this chain analysis of... Uh, the movements of the coins before and after this hack. This dude's screwed. I think they're going to be able to find him. Oh, yeah. The Bitcoin part is probably his weakest link. That's that's how fucked up Bitcoin's privacy guarantees are, that if you don't use Bitcoin uh, s- safely, like in an in a educated way, like it becomes your biggest leak. This guy could have used Tor and all these other privacy-preserving things, but the the Bitcoin itself will be his downfall. Yeah, this hacker is not listening to TFTC. Uh, he should. The chain analysis is horrible. Yeah. Like it, you know, like what we've seen from the graphs of 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 his transactions, like it is severely bad. Like Bitmex is in there, Coinbase is in there, Coin Payments is in there. Yeah, what is Coin Payments? That's all I've I've never heard of them. It's like well, a smaller bit refill, okay. All right. like gift cards uh, for Bitcoin. I can turn my mic back up here. It seems like the sprinkler parties are over. Uh, yeah, it'll be. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the fallout is for Twitter as the company. Uh, people's trust in it uh, certainly, uh, certainly hurt yesterday. Is a, a wounded, wounded trust model there. Um, you take these things for granted and then something like yesterday happens and it really drives the point home. Like, holy shit, you can't trust any of these companies with your data and DMS on Twitter. Like, don't talk about anything that you wouldn't want the dude with the Twitter admin access to, to be able to read. Yeah. I mean, this is why I tell people to use PGP or Keybase. you know, when they message me, uh, like Twitter DMs, it's you know it it is it is not and you can't delete them either you know so it's not even just not encrypted you can't even delete them um, and a lot of times they're tied to people's real identities uh, yeah I I I do want to say that first of all you know hopefully this does push some people, a few people to realize the importance of encryption and distribution and decentralization um, and, and trying to reduce trusted third parties and open source software, um, and it will. But the overwhelming majority 
are going to completely forget about this. Just like what happened with Equifax. Um, when like every American adult got all of their personal information stolen. No one talks about it. Yeah, but do you think the fact that DMs are exposed here would make people act more aggressively? Look, maybe if there's like a long pronounced, like every week new celebrities, like crazy DMs get posted, um, then people will realize. But two things. First of all, I don't think that they actually went for DMs. I, 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 I think it's amateur hour. I think it was... They had no idea what they were doing. They didn't really plan it out, and they kind of just went for it. And and you know, just was they just were going for it. It's just like one thing happened after the next. Like, oh my god, we have access to all this shit. And the second thing is, how do you release those DMs? Are you going to release them as screenshots? Yeah. How do you prove that? How do you verify that? That's a good question. Like, are we going to see a bunch of fake DM leaks now? Potentially. All right, if, if there are real DM leaks, do they get intermixed with fake ones? Most likely. If there's real ones, they'll definitely get intermixed with fake ones. Yeah, it's the interesting thing about entities like WikiLeaks that take emails, and that can be cryptographically verified on the internet. You can't, can't verify these DMs. Yeah. So if these DMs are released, you can't, you can't really trust that they're real. So I, I guess that can give anybody who was hacked a, a small peace of mind there. Well, I mean, if they had admin console, we were all hacked. It's just we just didn't all have our tweets. We didn't have tweets sent out from our, from our whatever. What you think of, uh, what'd you think of the, the, uh, the fake tweet I sent out? Oh my god! I unretweeted it after I read the first time I saw it. I laughed out loud. I literally thought it was the most hilarious thing ever. I retweeted it, and then I had like a bunch of people message me to let me know that you got hacked. So then I unretweeted it <laughs> because I was like, people didn't get the joke. They didn't realize. I like that you switched it to Bitcoin for health instead of crypto for yeah. health as well. Thought that was a nice touch. I thought it was. Yeah, no, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I thought it was uh, ethical too, not to not to tie that we're going to give back Bitcoin, but Qualtakes. Um, just in case somebody. Yeah, no, it was it was very it was very good tweet, but like it it tricked a lot of people. I got so many <laughs> DMs, that, ironically enough, telling me that that you got hacked and I needed to help you. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to say is, is like this is the point of the story where I grandstand about why I've always taken a hard line about buying engagement through Bitcoin giveaways and crypto giveaways. Okay, because when you normalize this fucking behavior then you enable scammers to use that same behavior. So I, I hope some people that have been doing giveaways take that away from this. Not everyone will, but hopefully some will. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this guy is, is going to get caught pretty quickly. So, 100%. Um, 100%. What an idiot. I hope it was worth the joyride on Twitter, admins tool for, for six hours, whatever it was. I wonder if it was a freak. Hey, let us know. We'll write you letters in prison um, about what you should what you should do better next time. 
we will not. You know who is a freak. I mean, we'll write you letters, but we're not going to give you any kind of advice on evading law enforcement. Well, talking about evading law enforcement, I think we've got uh, one of the biggest law enforcers, particularly from the Treasury Department, as a freak. <laughs> Steve Munchenbutz gave us a shout out as critical. Uh, TFTC is critical to the fight against terrorism. So that's. Uh, what does it really stand for? I think the uh, terrorist financing something uh criminal task force or something like that task force yeah Ter- terrorist no, no. terrorist financing financing task force coalition or something i don't know tales from the crypt no, like, from the crypt. thanks to the hard work at tftc <laughs> dude i'm actually i'm uh, interested to hear your thoughts on that because uh the freaks shout out to you freaks uh spammed his his mentions like out of 56 mentions i think 30 are about our podcast imagine imagine being like one of the most powerful people in the world and when you you tweet you send out a tweet and all of your engagement is a bitcoin podcast and you just fucking hate bitcoin <laughs> steve that would rile me up I hope it did. I hope it didn't like put us on his on his bad. Well, list. that's like, are we on Steve Munchenbutt's radar now? Yeah. I don't know. It's Marty's podcast, Steve. If you're listening, just hit him. Yeah, hit me up, Steve. I'd love to have you on. We can have a nice discussion. Um, we won't bite. We'll write you. We'll write you letters in jail. From jail or in jail? Or to I don't jail. know, Steve. Mnuchin just thinks that like all Bitcoiners are criminals. He's like a true Bitcoin denier. Steve, we're not all that bad. He's an enemy of Bitcoin. We're not all that bad. Hey, he likes TFTC though. Maybe (laughs) he's coming around. Maybe. Hey, Steve, the invite's open. We're not bad people. Okay. Uh, On the Bitcoin stuff, on the more pertinent Bitcoin stuff, we mentioned the samurai rounds uh, while looking at Clark Moody's dashboard, a bit of drama per, uh, uh, with Samurai this week. Shinobi uh, revealed to them uh, last month on June 15th about a sort of address reuse with the post-mix spends that, um, that he discovered. And I guess he gave them a month to responsibly disclose what he had discovered. And yesterday, Samurai team and Shinobi... Uh, sort of wrote uh, uh, synopsis, not synopsis, uh, postmortems on what was going on, how it happened. You probably understand this much better than I do, Matt. So, what the hell is going on here? Um, so I'm still trying to. This did drop yesterday, as you said. Shinobi responsibly disclosed it to the samurai team um, a month ago, which is great to see. When you find a vulnerability, you responsibly disclose. Um, and the claim is address reuse in the post-mix. Uh, not in Whirlpool, but in the post-mix. Um, so after you go through Whirlpool, you end up with a bunch of post-mix UTXOs. And obviously, address reuse is bad for privacy, right? So in the post-mix, you don't want any address reuse. And one of Samurai's big goals is to reduce address reuse and bad post-mix behavior as much as possible. Try and automate that away. Um, so 
you know, but people are going to be people. So there's a bunch of address reuse that, so, so Samurai tried to replicate it. They couldn't replicate it. So instead they went back and they, uh, Shinobi gave them 200 transactions of, of 5,000 that he found. And then these 5,000 he then posted yesterday, but up until that point, he gave them 200. They couldn't replicate it. So what they did was they went back and they did all 12,000 post-mix UTXOs that have ever been, and they analyzed them to see when there was address reuse. The majority of time there was address reuse, um, it was like intentional address reuse, right? So it's like a user sending to like Paxville or something uh, a lot of them were Paxful for whatever reason, uh, which is like a gift card exchange site. Uh, and and you're just sending to an address that has been used before, right? So like the wallet can try its best, but like if, if the user wants to send it to a reused address, like they're going to send it to a reused address. So that's my question. Like in the post mix, like when you're done mixing, is there a stage within Whirlpool or the Samurai wallet where it's still within Samurai software and sitting in, a, in an address after it's been mixed and isn't live anymore. Well, so there's a small subset. There was a small subset of like 400 transactions that addresses were reused and it appears they were reused unintentionally. And most likely from my limited understanding here so far, I don't want to like make too big conclusions. Um, and we will keep discussing this. We're going to talk about it next week as well. There was situations where there was unintentional address reuse. And that's the big, that's the big risk. Like if a user wants to, like if a user has like a, like a good example is like BitMEX, right? Your BitMEX deposit address, which you should never use BitMEX is a fixed address. It never changes, right? So if you send to that from Postmix over and over again, like that's address reuse. There's nothing the Samurai team can do about that. Like if the user wants to do that, the user's gonna do that. You can like pop up a warning, um, but the user's gonna do that. There's this other subset, unintentional address reuse, where the change output, right? You send Bitcoin, you get back change in your Postmix wallet, that change is reused. Now that's an issue. You don't want to ever reuse a change address because you don't have to, and Samurai can enforce that. Um, so presumably these small subset of transactions where that happened, it happened because of a Tor reliability issue and the wallet losing track of where it is in the wallet, right? Which, which, which addresses have been used. It's like a jump forward um, type bug or something like that. But backwards. Yeah. yeah. But jump forward would be gap limit, right? Yeah. Where like your wallet doesn't know where they are, but jump backwards and then all of a sudden you're reusing addresses you've already reused before. It's because of latency so, issues because of Tor? Yeah, it seems that way. I'm not positive. Um, for now, what Samurai has done is they updated Dojo to add this strict mode, which basically Dojo's is your, your, the back end. And they've upgraded their back end, so if you're using it in light client mode, which you shouldn't be, frankly, um, or if you use the upgraded version of Dojo, Dojo V point V 
0.1.7, I believe, is it? That just released? No, V1.7. Um, it enforces, it will not broadcast the transaction if it's been, if that, if that, if that change address has been reused, if there's unintentional uh, reuse. And then one other thing I can add here is that I looked at all my Postmix transactions using my, I'm using my own dojo. I looked at all my Postmix transactions. I have no unintentional address reuse in there. Um, so like I don't have the wherewithal to do like massive chain analysis. Uh, but for my limited analysis of my usage of it, I, I've never experienced that. And then one other thing, which is also unconfirmed because I don't, I don't have the capability to do like massive chain analysis is the majority of these transactions were from before they even implemented mobile mixing, uh. these unintentional. So it's on older versions of Samurai. Um, but an easy way to check to see if you have used address reuse is if you um, go to go to blockstream.info's tour tour portal on uh, through your tour browser. You go to blockstream.info, and actually now tour browser it automatically will ask you if you want on the top. You can click, and it automatically takes you to the onion, and then you can set it so it just automatically brings you the onion every time. And if you put your transaction ID in there, it will show you if the address has been reused or not. And But one thing to keep in mind is if you keep putting in addresses, then technically Blockstream could link those addresses. So what you want to do is in Tor Browser, every time you do it, you can switch your Tor identity. And then it, it, it swaps your Tor identity when you do it. If you want, if you want to check your own Postmix transactions. Um, and if you upgrade to Dojo, if you upgrade your Dojo, then it'll block it on the back end side while they continue to investigate. They just wanted to make sure that they like nipped it in the bud for now. Yeah. The, uh, the coin join wars continue. The flame wars. It's yes. I, I want to say though that this has been the most responsible exchange between the two, the two so-called sides here, uh, here at TFTC, we're often called in the middle, but this has been the most responsible exchange. Uh, Shinobi responsibly reported it to them. They released a very in-depth analysis and a patch to the software. Uh, so that's good to see, right? That's definitely a positive element. Is Shinobi even and, officially uh, associated with Wasabi, or is he just partial towards... He's not officially associated with Wasabi, but No Power is a co-host on That's true. Block Digest. That's true. Uh, and they don't mince words between each other, Shinobi and the Samurai guys. So. No. Uh, samurai guys are not. It, it is nice that this was handled maturely yeah. on both sides. And at the end of the day, Samurai users, have they're in a better situation now than they were before. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, look, regardless still way better off than whatever this fucking hacker did <laughs> he didn't even attempt to fucking do anything i don't even know what an idiot he's definitely not a freak because he would have he would have coin joined well when i sold the bc1 at first i was like all right based i i thought you know wasabi and samurai both default to that 
that's the only address type you can use to use them. So I assumed he was getting all of his funds were going straight into one or the other. And I was waiting for like him to just press coin join, you know, and it didn't happen. I was surprised. No. Um, our hacker, f- not friend, our ha- the hacker that we're talking about, we will write to you in prison. We won't teach you how to be smarter, but we'll, we'll tell you where you fucked up. How about that? Um, I think a lot of people are going to tell him or her or her. We can't be uh, can't be too sure. We can't assume their gender. No, we cannot. Um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, well, like I tried my best to explain my understanding there. Uh, I hope that was helpful to you, freaks. Uh, and we will talk about it again. Uh, you know, I've been trying to talk to other people about it and try and gauge their opinions and their takes and. Uh, the the privacy focused community in Bitcoin is a very close knit community, a very small group of people. Is it really close knit? So it, it, you know, I'm just saying, like it got it got dropped on us right as of yesterday. So like, I I I I'm curious what a lot of other people have to what their opinions are of this, and I'm going to gauge their opinions, and I will share their opinions as well next uh, next week. Yeah, and my my opinion will probably also. Uh, shift a little bit or mature, mature. or something I like mature. I mature is better than shift yeah. uh, it, it'll evolve your under- my opinion will your evolve understanding I won't even say opinion your understanding will uh, yeah. yeah yeah exactly um, hey, hey shout out to all these teams working on coin join implementations I know you guys hate each other at some points and, <laughs> and yell at each other and hey I, I even get caught in the crosshairs of your ire uh, even even though you guys yell at me and lament at me sometimes i appreciate what you do you know I'll, I'll i'll eat those lumps when i have to shout out to you guys um what do we got next should we go through should we just run through updates and then get to like the meaty topics uh yeah but before we do that just like a really quick bullish thing uh difficulty hits new all-time high seven Where's the mining death spiral? 17 trillion or something like that uh, or 17th and something power. I forget what it is. Ari, Ari Paul should be funding Bitcoin development instead of fucking fudding Bitcoin death spirals. Is what should Have be I happening. been blocked by Ari? I haven't seen... Uh, no, he still follows I'm me. I'm blocked by him. He blocked me a while ago. He's in good company. He hasn't been tweeting that much. That's what people always ask me, like, Matt, how do you do it with no block, empty block lists and empty mute lists? But, like, all the worst offenders, they all... They all get pissed off at me and block me, so they just do the work for me. Yeah, um, I've been. I mean, we've talked about this before. I don't. I don't have a problem blocking people. You know, only have so much mental bandwidth that you can. You can allow others to to take up in your in your mentions. Well, you know, good old fashioned ignore. No, I agree. You can ignore or just like never see it, which is even better than ignore. It takes effort to ignore. Agree to disagree, Marty. Agree to disagree. I can agree to disagree when when somebody's trying to have a civil discussion, but when it's oh no, I was I was I was saying me and you. Oh yes, we can yeah, agree oh, to disagree on this. Oh, topic. always, always. Look, most people on Bitcoin Twitter disagree with me on this topic, so you're in good company. Yeah. Um, another attack on the Lightning Network being brought. Oh, well, let's run through the updates. Okay, let's run through the updates. Let's run. All right. Uh, any of you hardcore freaks running a bunch of different 
software, hardware, apps in the Bitcoin world, uh, running your sats through this. There have been a bunch of updates this week. Do we want to just run through them and tell them that they should update? Or do you have any particular updates that you want to uh, focus on and talk about uh, what's been merged? Uh, Zap Desktop was a huge fucking update because they've been working on Strike this whole time. Uh, so they like brought it up to speed. Uh, it, I, I, they just added key send support, I believe. Um, a bunch of other reliability things have been added to that. So that's like a massive update if you're a Zap user. Zeus just got updated to V0.3.0. It's a major update Another, too, right? Yeah, these are all pretty big updates. BIS got updated. V1.3.6. Staying on BISC. I really like their marketing efforts recently. Um, the videos they've been putting out. Seems like that BISC now is, is putting some money to work to to bring more attention oh, to BISC. That's one thing I wanted to mention. Yeah, I fucking love BISC. Um, shout out to that team over there. I wanted to... Uh, we talked about Plaid and and because Zap just came up. So I thought about Strike and I thought about Jack Maulers, our boy Jack. And we talked about Plaid being integrated there. He did like a tell-all interview with Block Digest um, that the freaks should go listen to. And, you know, Janine over there is major privacy advocate and tons of respect for her. So she asked him a bunch of hard-hitting questions. Um... You know, Plaid is now rolled into Visa, who they partnered with. Uh, it's only the Plaid integration is used if you connect your bank account, not if you do the debit card. The other thing that's interesting to mention is that they're using a partner called Cognito, which is if that's why it's debit card plus phone number plus name is all the KYC you have to do is because Cognito uses the phone number and the name to look up all the other required KYC info. So if, if you don't have a social security number and shit attached to that phone number and name that Cognito has in their database, that's when, that's when Strike asks you for more information. So it shouldn't be considered KYC free or KYC light even, but like it's a benefit that at least you don't have to put that information, that information's already out there. Cognito already has it. Uh, you don't have to trust Jack to securely store it, right? And it reduces friction there. So, so there's a benefit in that regard, but it's not really um, the like lack of KYC. And then the other thing is, I discovered after I, you know, shout on Plaid, uh, is that Cash App has Plaid integrated, who's our sponsor. So it would behoove me to mention that. And the reason I didn't realize that is because it's the same thing. Plaid comes into play uh, if you set up like ACH, if you set up like a bank transfer. If you do, if you do it through debit card, it does, Plaid isn't involved. So just another thing to keep in mind. I needed to get that off my chest. Be aware, freaks. Be and aware. We love you, Jack. Keep hustling. Yeah. Be aware. Be aware. No, this was somebody. Uh, somebody's coming at me uh, for KYC stuff today. Uh, and again, I don't think we could be more vocal about pointing out how evil KYC AML is and how much more harm it does than good. Uh, we also, I mean... Fucking hate KYC. Yeah. But again, like, you also have to feel for some of these providers who are f- it's forced upon them, too. They can't operate, right? And so 
hopefully we get to a point where uh, some of these financial institutions and fintech companies are able to uh, band together and stand up against this. But, like, maybe that's something we should uh, think about as a group, as, as a community of freaks here. Like, how can we give these companies confidence to stand up against these immoral laws at the end of the day? Like, do they need, do we as users of these products need to be more vocal? What are your thoughts, Matt? Um, well, first of all, I want to thank all the freaks out there for keeping me honest. You can count on us to always return the favor as well. Um, and the, you know, KYC is fucking dangerous. We hate KYC. I think it's really one of the things I love about the Bitcoin community is I get shit from the uh, no KYC absolutists saying that, you know, we shouldn't have a KYC sponsor and we talk about KYC products too much. And then I get shit from the KYC lovers, the statists on the other side who are like, you talk about no KYC too much and and it's just not practical and all this stuff. So you just we get shit from both sides, and that's how I, I think that's confirmation that we're doing it right. Um, but yeah, we should give them cover. I think the other thing is is um, like an important practical thing is like if you are going to KYC, you should choose your providers very, very, very carefully because you're trusting them intimately, um, and you should reduce the amount of usage you use there. So there's some nuance there, right? So you want to you want to isolate where you do do the KYC, and you want to pick providers you trust. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, and I can't believe th- this week the Twitter hack and shit has been so crazy that we didn't lead with this story. Uh, at least. They're not fucking selling surveillance software to the IRS and the fucking U.S. Secret Service. And let me remind you that the U.S. Secret Service were the ones who were in charge of fucking Executive Order 6102, like actually doing that fucking order to take people's fucking gold from them. Yeah, I mean, and again, uh, I'm very selective with who I allow to advertise on this podcast and partner with cash app and unchained particularly because i know they have people within those companies who have the balls to stick up to these chain analysis companies and tell you fuck off we we don't need we don't need your services we don't want to spy on our users more than the kyc aml regulations are forcing us to well i know un- does un- i think unchained doesn't even i don't want to put words in their mouth no, Unchained's come out um, and stood up for coin joins. Like, hey, if you coin join right before you... They stood up for coin joins, but I don't know if they have a subscription to one of these services. I don't want to put words in their mouth. But they, they definitely specifically said that they're fine with coin joins. And we've never seen any kind of... Uh, Cash App will never say it publicly, but we've never seen any kind... You know, knock on wood, we've never seen any kind of issue there um, with Cash App and withdrawing to coin join. Um, I do like to think that these companies are a step above and they, they want to, it, you know, if something happens, like we will call them out. Uh, but once again, even subscribing to a chain analysis service, to a surveillance company service is wildly different than what Coinbase is doing, which is packaging their own service, creating their own surveillance product, selling it to the U.S. government agencies while virtue signaling on Twitter that they're about open finance, like we had Brian Armstrong finally spoke about it and he tried to excuse it away. 
he said specifically he said they're trying to recoup costs coinbase is fucking rolling in the shitcoin money they are not recouping costs selling surveillance software to the secret service for 184k i think for four years like way below market i my sources tell me that elliptic which is like the number two sells for like 50k a year um and chain analysis sells for like 125k a year selling it to the u.s secret service for 184k for four years is not like that's pennies they on, on on coinbase's balance sheet that's pennies they are not doing it to recoup costs they're doing it because they're brown nosing they're like getting on their knees and they're like trying to get around the fact that they sold unregistered securities to the general public and they want to go public themselves on fucking stock exchange like we know exactly what you're doing brian What's that? They've had Katie Hahn on their on their board, who's ex Department of Justice. I'm pretty sure they've. I mean, I, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum. Naked mole rat hacking team. Naked mole rat and crew is, is just consistently throughout time been anti Bitcoin at every turn, like, pushing contentious uh, forks, uh, pushing shit coins. Uh, doing this data share with the government and really just handing over everything about their customers to um, government agencies. And I mean, we we, we can beat a dead horse here, but like, just look at their actions. Don't look at Brian. I mean, you can read Brian Armstrong's the naked mole rats uh, tweet threads. (laughs) It's all, it's all fucking air, man. Coinbase is, A16Z's portfolio consolidation company within the crypto sphere and they are more game to play ball with regulators than anybody else in the industry that I've experienced. No, yeah, I mean they they just continuously take it to the next level. Uh like I love I love the meme that you made too. The open finance meme. You know, a meme is, you know, if a picture's worth a thousand words, I think like a meme's worth, you know, a hundred thousand words or something like that. A nice, good meme. <sighs> Naked Bull Rat's taking off. I see it in all of, under all of his tweets. <laughs> it must drive him crazy. Well, does he even have a soul? He's like robotic. I don't know. Brian, I know you're going to whoop it. I don't know. I got a lot of shit for saying that Coinbase employees didn't have a soul, so... I'm not. I, hey, I actually I know a few Coinbase employees. They're very good people. They're very good Bitcoiners. Well, then why haven't they left the company yet? Yeah, you know, Matt. It's I don't know. I can't. Sp- Coinbase employees aren't like McDonald's hamburger flippers. Okay, they are. They are. They can be hired by any company in the space they want to go to. Go help ca- they're, Cash App River. Paid top dollar. Go help those exchanges. They, they're not like. I'm sorry, okay? I'm not going to give you the, like, whole, like, oh, like, oh, you're going after someone's livelihood. Like, they can move. Like, they can switch. And and now all the jobs are remote. But even if they weren't, like, they're based in Silicon Valley. They can go to any of those companies. They would be happy to have them. Well, this actually drives a good point and is a good segue into another topic that we have on the list about blockchain.info as well. It's, like, these early movers in this space have a lot of influence, man. Like, even though... We shit on Coinbase a lot. We're basically screaming into the ether uh, because newcomers don't listen to this podcast and don't know. Ether? I thought this was a Bitcoin podcast. (laughs) No, ether as it was originally intended. 
uh, and ether the 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 asset probably actually definitionally definitionally like vibes with that that definition like you're just throwing your money into into an abyss but uh or is that the fire a fire an abyss whatever but going back to the topic at hand these incumbents these these early movers in this space blockchain dot info with their wallets and coinbase with their exchange and and market share they still have a lot of influence yeah so um this dude, this German Bitcoin developer, 0xB10C, who actually spoke at New York BitDevs um, pre-Rona. Uh, so I met him there. Great dude. Uh, did an in-depth analysis of, of blockchain.info users um, using wallet fingerprinting techniques, which is what we've discussed in the past on this podcast, which is unique things that the blockchain.info wallet does um, with their transactions, you know, they don't have SegWit enabled is one of those fingerprints that allows you to track the transactions along the chain to see how much their usage is. And it does appear that they are about 30% of, of transactions um, are blockchain.info users. And you should not use this wallet. Like, <laughs> this is a really, really bad wallet. You know, that that is a... There's consensus there on this wallet just being fucking horrible. So, yeah, like that sucks to see. And I mean, if you want to look at how bad the situation is, I mean, just it's, it, open up the app store. Is it their app wallet or the web on, wallet? On, it's both. And if, if, if you know, so blockchain.info started as a web wallet. It was one of the first non-custodial, easy-to-use web wallets. So as Marty said, it's had first mover advantage. I mean, they also have blockchain.com, which is like an insanely good domain. I mean, the freaks know what I think about domains. I mean, it's not as good quality as cuckmentality.com, but it's close. <laughs> it's like up there. Uh, so they, they've, they've been able to ride that tide. And, and if you want to see how bad the situation is, I mean, you go into the App Store or the Play Store on Android, um, you type in Bitcoin wallet, um, all the top results are complete shit. So, you know, consider going in there and rating the wallets you like up, you know, to help them out. Do consider, though, if you do it on Play Store, it doxes your Google account being interested in Bitcoin, which is not ideal. On Apple, they don't do that, interestingly enough. So use a burner Gmail account if you're... Look, you shouldn't be using Play Store anyway to download your Bitcoin wallets. You should either be downloading the APK directly and PGP verifying, or download from Ftroid. But what are you going to do? I don't know. These are things you can do. If you are using Play Store, rate them up. Or don't. Consider the privacy implications. Yeah, I mean... It is crazy, dude. 30% of transactions come from blockchain.info wallets? Like, who the hell are using it? Like, these people must not go on the, the internet much. They're saying 30% to 35%. That's a significant portion of the network right there. That's pretty crazy, right? Like, you'd think it was way lower. I mean, I thought we had, like, pretty good consensus that no one should be using that fucking wallet. Yeah. Like, and I, I guess that drives the question, like, again, are we just speaking into the ether here? Like, who are true Bitcoin end users? Are they even aware about conversations going on Twitter, on podcasts, in other areas? Well, that's why I said... 
I've said this in the past, like the only way this thing scales is that the freaks go out there and they tell like their friends and family, you know? Like that's the only way this scales. Like we, we're never gonna be able to hit everyone. Everyone's not gonna be on Twitter. Everyone's not gonna be on Reddit. I mean, Reddit consensus has been anti-blockchain.info.com for fucking years now, right? So like we, you gotta, you know, you gotta be a good Uncle Jim. That's, that's what it comes down to. Hey freaks, do your part, get out there. Start knocking up on your neighbor's doors. Hey, you should listen to this podcast. Take their phones out of their hands. If they, if they, you, they answer the door after you knock on it and they have their hand in their phone, their hand in their phone, their phone in their hand. You take that phone out of their hand. You go to their podcast app and you just subscribe them to this podcast and say, hey, you look them in the eyes sternly. And you say, listen to this podcast. And it, I'm going to come back next week and I'm going to ask you if you listen to the podcast. And if you haven't, there's going to be some repercussions. And you decide what those just give the, you decide what those repercussions give, are. Give them some actionable recommendations. They don't have to listen to the podcast. No, they ha- they uh, must. But we'd love to have them. We would love to have them. Also, if you are ringing their doorbell and it's an Amazon Ring device, you should rip it off the yes, wall. Yes, yes, one foul swoop. And tell them I didn't give you permission to spy on me. So, because uh, I'm sure then they'll take your podcast advice <laughs> right after you rip off their brand new expensive ass <laughs> video doorbell. It's like, yeah, just take control of your neighborhood. Rip down the the Nest device. Give give them quality Bitcoin information and get their lives straight. This this world is off kilter right now. People need some actionable, good advice, uh, and these are actionable steps that you can take to uh, develop better practices within your local neighborhood. All right, we're just looking out for your neighborhood. Consider TFTC your neighborhood watch. Um. So to go back to updates. Uh, BTC Pay server got updated v1.0.5.3 a uh, bunch of PSBT updates in that um, and PayJoin now works with hardware wallets um, what else do we have here we have Ronin Dojo v1.5 got updated it brought all the packages up a notch and fixed a bunch of bugs and, and reliability fixes. We already talked about Samurai Dojo V1.17, uh, 1.7. Spectre V0.5.5 got updated. Um, I mean, that's a really big deal. I think Spectre is like one of the software packages that we should really be watching. Um, I like to see someone provide a grant to them because I think that's how we, that, that seems like our best shot here at getting the soonest that we get a uh, user-friendly multi-sig with your own node. Um, so I'm watching that project very closely. Tallycoin V 2.1 also got updated. I'm liking Tallycoin. I've, uh, I've distributed a few donations using Tallycoin. I really like the, the UI and, and the ethos of the project. Um, I can't remember the name of the project off the top of my head. But there's a night. What the dude? The there's a, um, I believe it's Nigeria. A Nigerian is trying to. Oh, space box. I think yes, he's trying to get like a s- space box so he can set up like a town. It's node. like his node project, right? Yeah. Um, I drew I drew some sats at that. I think that's a worthwhile project to look into. Can't remember the name of the project off the top of my head. I think it's called Spacebox. Yeah, it's called Spacebox, and the guy's name is 
I'm going to butcher this. Chimizi Chuta, and his tag is at M-E-Z-I-E-16. Um, so he's using TallyCoin. Uh, I'm trying to... All right, DJ Booth 007 is the dev behind TallyCoin. I really like this dude. Uh, he's a hustler. He's a Bitcoiner. So the idea about behind TallyCoin is... Yes, if you're running a donations, if you want donations, you want tips, um, you want to do crowdfunding, you can run a BTC pay server, you can host it yourself. Um, the best way, you know, practically to do a BTC pay server is to run it in a VPS, at least until we have ways to tunnel um, from your home node, because you don't want to, if you're running BTC pay on your home node without tunneling, you're exposing your IP address, which we've talked about on this pod, like, a bunch of fucking times it's really bad for your privacy to be exposing home or office ip addresses um so you're going to run on a vps and then what happens is you're doing luna node because it's the cheapest one and it's like a hundred dollars a year and you're kycing to do it um well it's like light kyc you have to do like cell phone verification and they like block burners uh so tallycoin sits in the middle and you upload an xpub and it does a fundraiser for you and then they, they host it and it's completely donation run. DJ booth just accepts donations to, to pay for the service. He doesn't take a fee on top. So it's a nice middle ground. I do wish that the X pub integration served a new address every time. I don't know why it reuses addresses. Um, that doesn't seem to be an option to, to serve a fresh address. Um, I've been meaning to reach out to him about that, but I haven't. So I, if you're listening, DJ, curious. It'd be nice to have that feature. Why? Why? <laughs> but beyond that, thank you for building it. I've, I've used it twice. I, uh, that um, Spacebox donation, then I helped contribute to the, uh, the, uh, the Jersey Shore uh, banner ad, uh, plain banner ad. That, that flew down here right. over 4th of July. And he fucking did it. Right. And they wound up donating uh, any excess proceeds to Lochamesh. So I went out and helped that as well. Give back. What's his tag again? That's Adam that did yeah, that, Yeah, it's Adam, right? Adam Paul Moore. Shout out to Adam Paul Adam Moore. Adam Paul Moore. Little known fact, Adam Paul Moore, uh, one of the first believers in Marty's Bent and first advertisers of Marty's Bent. Got to give a shout out to him uh, and his digital marketing um company that I, were I met him in person. Yeah, I've, I've met him Good in person day. many times to another another Philly guy, another legend. Uh Adam, thank you. Uh, thank you for your early support of of this media network or whatever this is. Lifestyle brand. Lifestyle I like yes, lifestyle brand. There we go. We're Citadel Citadel Corporation. Citadel know. Aesthetic Planners. Um that that banner he did was great. So this is another, just to go back, because I love going back to connections in RHR. Um, this is a perfect situation, right? Where if you're doing a naive analysis of post-mix transactions, people who pay a tally coin fundraiser from their post-mix will appear as they're reusing addresses. But, you know, that's because tally coin has a fixed address for the crowdfund. So that's like not something that the wallet can really enforce. I should probably know this, but is there an advantage from like UTXO compression if you're just doing a one 
one address? Like, is it cheaper that way? No. No. But the advantage is, because there's still individual UTXOs, um, the advantage is it's, like, very easy for transparency to show how much the crowdfund is raised, right? Yeah. That probably makes uh, a lot of sense. Because you can see the balance go up. Yeah. Yeah. On like the BTC pay server crowdfunds, you're just trusting that the BTC pay server crowdfund page is telling you exactly how much donations have come in. Yeah. But because addresses aren't being reused and because they have lightning, you don't really know for sure. Now I imagine if you're pulling expos from hardware wallets too, that's probably just like a user experience hack by DJs. Like instead of having to deal with like the the gap gap forward problem just use one address i know it's weird though right because like Tallycoin lets you upload a single fixed address but then it also lets you upload an xpub and when you do the xpub it gives you a fresh address for each crowdfund you set up but not for each donation it's just an interesting little like yeah i bet it has something to do with the gap forward that would make the most sense to me well there will, if Tallycoin doesn't do it, there will be an easy way to accept donations without reusing addresses soon. Besides, I mean, Samurai has pay names, but you can only pay with another Samurai uh, wallet because oh. no one else has implemented BIP47 yet, which is weird. But there's also going to be another wallet that implements BIP47. I just can't talk about it yet. Ooh, talk about it. Drop some news. Scoop! I want to be able to scream scoop on Twitter at some point. Yeah, you can. I'll let you. I'll let you scream scoop. When how, it's ready. how can we never scoop? We never get the scoop tweets here at TFTC. Because we scoop all the time. We just don't have to tell people it's a scoop. It's true. They just know it's a scoop. It's true. I don't want to. Not to. I'm not throwing shade at Frankie Scoops. Frankie Scoops. Just, we're ha- happy for your scoops. Scoopy doop. I called Dudas a, a tool on Twitter yesterday. Um, Why did he tell people to hack Presidente? I don't know. It was a bad move. Dave was not happy. That was like the worst. Like it was the best Bitcoin marketing day ever. Dudas had to ruin it again. Davy Day Trader uh, all riled up. Do we know what his reasoning was? Dudas's or? Yeah. I mean, I can all. Does he just not like? Does he not like Barstool? Uh, just based on observation, uh, I, I could imagine that. It's not his favorite brand. That was a weird tweet. Anyway, it was deleted before I saw it. Yeah. As is tradition. Typical. Typical. Um, but, hey, we try to talk about ideas, not people here at TFTC. Uh, Do we? <laughs> <laughs> we like to mix, mix it in and out. Um, Bit Uda which is a uh, company in New York. I believe they're in New York. I'm pretty positive they're in New York. Attempting to create uh, markets for uh, hedging products for, for miners and other people within the Bitcoin uh, industry. Came out with an incredible analysis of the Bitcoin mining landscape. Yesterday they dropped it. I believe they're doing it in conjunction with Fidelity, who is, is trying to amass... Uh, more data on the mining industry, particularly to help bring um, 
more transparency to the mining industry. And so BitUda came out with uh, a report yesterday. It had some pretty, I mean, there's been rumblings of uh, some of the stuff that they talked about throughout the industry um, for a bit now, but they, they basically confirmed it with some pretty, pretty good data. Uh, biggest um, sort of data point that stuck out to me that, again, I've heard rumors of this, but it was, it was very uh, comforting to see them confirm it with some some good data is that China's share of overall hash rate in the Bitcoin network is around 50%, where in the last couple of years, particularly, a lot of people have been throwing around the 60 to 65% range um, based off of, of past studies that have been done. And so it seems that hash rate is becoming geographically distributed which is incredible to see uh u.s according to this report is accounting for about 14 percent of hash rate which is incredible to see and i actually talked to somebody earlier today is he's uh wait new york's at 14 percent. united states oh united states yeah um but i spoke with somebody earlier today on a, on a panel for the silicon valley bitcoin meetup who he, marshall long has been on this podcast he was he um, he's under the impression that it's actually higher than 14%. So it seems like hash rate is becoming more distributed. Uh, also in that uh, study, which we'll link to obviously in the show notes, you guys should go read it. Um, just broke down the different sort of generations of miners, the S9 class, S17 class, S19 class. Um, and they involve other ASICs with similar, uh, similar, um, uh, terahash outputs so it's not just s9s s17s and s19s it's those miners and miners with similar sort of hash rate output and uh so you can see the breakdown there of of, of uh what percentage of miners are, are dominating the network right now and then the one thing i would contend with this which i find hard to believe is that the median price for uh energy right now between Bitcoin miners is three cents a kilowatt hour. I think that's a little low. I would, I would imagine that's a bit higher. Um, but this is what their data is showing. And again, it's just incredible to see that, uh, mining, which has been a huge, uh, point of FUD in the past. The fact that quote unquote, China dominates mining can shut down Bitcoin whenever it seems that their power is waning pretty quickly. Um, as, the ASIC life cycles extend longer into the future. So you, you don't have a situation where maybe like three or four years ago when a new ASIC would drop, it was more imperative to get it within the first few weeks and turn them on um, so that you can get your return on your investment. And obviously with the proximity to the production in China, they had a huge advantage there. But now with longer life cycles, you don't, you can wait a little bit longer from release to uh delivery and then plugging it into the wall and that has helped distribute hash rate a bit more and i, I think this trend will continue like i said in the bend today uh, things that we're discovering at great american mining like at the oil and gas industry alone like there's so many little nooks and crannies that we're discovering and can take advantage of from an arbitrage perspective that i think this trend will only continue i bet a majority of hash rate will be in north america at some point in the next 10 years and is that a bad thing can the u.s government attack bitcoin at that point like i would argue no uh getting to know the in i would argue yes no i would argue no getting to know the the energy 
Like, so all these oil um, basins, they we don't they bl- we don't want it in one country, Marty. No, I, I'm not saying like eighty percent. I'm saying like we'll probably get to, I would imagine thirty to forty percent at one time, and then it, that would be if you want it hash rate concentrated at that high of a level. I would argue that you want it in North America between the United States and Canada predominantly, um, because again, these these basins are the Bakken, the Permian. Uh, Marcella shell they they bleed across state lines and jurisdictions and what you'll actually come to find in the U.S. similar to the COVID response where everything was allocated to the governors and it was sort of the state's decision to do what they want to do the energy markets uh, actually very similar situation where like states have very different um, regulations and laws and there's a sort of regulatory arbitrage there too that i think will um sort of protect bitcoin mining within the u.s um i mean i don't really i i i guess you know we're a fan of of localism on this podcast so if uh states rights are upheld then that counts as distribution i would agree um but we want we want it as distributed as possible. I would I would say yeah. So uh, across different regulatory landscapes, hopefully not too much in. Yeah, you know I, I think we agree on that. Not too much in the in the U.S. market. I, I I'm trying to read through this. That's why I'm uh, distant speaking in this way right now. Uh, is there a chart that shows what they think the current distribution is? Because I, I keep finding charts that show implied capacity, like potential capacity. Do they have a chart that shows um, where where they think the miners are located right now? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the two pie charts. No, but isn't that implied capacity? Like total... Control F14. F14. I think I'm there. The U.S. follows with 14%. So the figure... What's interesting Geographic distribution is, of surveyed mining capacity. Right. So they have uh, known capacity, like the potential to become Bitcoin miners. Kazakhstan and Iran are super high up there. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If you, and Russia, if you wanna, but people know Russia. If you want to give props, if you want to give props to distribution, shout out to Kazakhstan fucking doing their thing but i don't think i don't think they're saying that there's miners in kazakhstan yet i think they're saying that like no, they're particularly well suited to host bitcoin miners no, right no there are there are there's like a huge operation in kazakhstan it's pretty well known what's also interesting here is that iceland gets like a dispor- disproportionate amount of attention as being like a mining capital and like they're implying that they have like no capacity they're saying like 2% in Iceland or something like that. Yeah, that would make sense considering the size of Iceland as a country. Uh, it's because the alcohol taxes are so high. <laughs> you're going to get Bitcoin miners there. Yeah. Now, Kazakhstan, I'm pretty sure, has a pretty a pretty legit operation in the middle of the country. Um, and then Iran, obviously. I mean, they obviously have less than 14%, though. Because the U.S. is number two in 14. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense. But Kazakhstan's obviously not as big as the U.S., so 
they're competing. What do they have? 455 megawatts. It's pretty. Borat would disagree with you. <laughs> have you ever heard that uh, that conspiracy? What's the conspiracy? That Borat was just a psyop to keep people away from Kazakhstan because it's actually like an incredible country to live in. Um, I I never heard that conspiracy, but it makes sense to me. Uh, I would also say that that movie can never be made today. Never, dude. And Ooh, that's let's just run through. Actually, my wife and I, it was Doc's her name. We're uh, we're talking about this the other day with my cousins. We had them over for dinner. Like, what movies couldn't be made today? Um, None of the Mel Brooks movies could be made today. Uh, American Pie, none of those movies. Sex Drive, which came out like when we were in high school, couldn't be like the first line of that movie. Like, would just get that. Dude, this pod would go on forever. Like, almost no movies could be made today. What does that say? Like, do uh, will we ever get to back to a point where like an American Pie can get made? I sure hope so. We will. It'll be fine. We're just going through a phase. Um, It's just puberty. Because I mean, and I've mentioned this. I don't think on RHR, but like in the interview series, like Hollywood sucks these days. It's just remakes and remakes and remakes and remakes and remakes. Like ideas, mainly superhero ideas that have been played out and Disney movie ideas like Mulan, well, live look, action, who cares? Some of the superhero movies couldn't be made today. Like which one? I don't know. I'm sure there are a bunch of them couldn't be made today. I don't like know. Like the, uh, the Michael Keaton Batmans? Was, uh, yeah, like all the old ones couldn't be made today. Yeah. <sighs> Who's your favorite Batman? Or like the the first the first new Joker movie, um, with what's his face, the guy who who committed suicide. Heath Ledger. I don't think he committed suicide. I think he overdosed. Overdosed, right? It wasn't suicide. Apologies. Rest in peace. That could it be made again? Do you think that one could be made? Today? Yeah, I think that's timeless. I think that's a, a very good movie. Actually, American Hoddle. Timeless. I don't jinx it, Mark. American Hoddle and Vake got into a very interesting discussion that I watched from afar. Uh, what's the better, Batman, Batman Begins, or The Dark Knight? And whew, very good discussion. Uh, hard, hard to say. The the argument is that Batman Begins has a a more structured and um, streamlined plot, and and everything's sort of filled in start to finish which i agree i, I love uh batman begins but i am partial towards heath ledger's uh portrayal of the joker i, I think it was masterful um okay next bitcoin discussion <laughs> um, you see the blanton's paradigm the investment fund who I, I think they make they make both VC investments and they also buy like Bitcoin and I, I assume they have shitcoin bags as well. Um, has just announced that they're funding Anthony Towns, renowned Bitcoin developer, um, which is fucking fantastic to see. We've seen so much more Bitcoin developer grants happen recently, and we did say previously in the pod that anyone who does it will get shilled. Um, so we're holding up to that. I, I think these guys are the first fund to ever do it. Right. I, I believe so. There, what's the one in China? Maybe the first one, um, who funded Luke Dasher. Hardcore fund. Yes. Are they officially but a fund think, or? Yeah. No, I think hardcore fund is the name of like the donation. Like, like, so like you could kind of count chain code, Right. Well, Chainco's like funded by a fund. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
That's what I'm saying, right? But this or is the first time office. I think a fund has specifically allocated capital, funded develop yeah. Bitcoin development straight. Yeah. Shout out to them. Hey, shout out Arjun. I want to see more of this. Argentine. Ari Paul, when Bitcoin development funding? He's too busy shilling Bcash, dude. Craig Wright is Satoshi. He's revised that history. He never showed Bcash. He was never at Bcash. Uh, ideas. His birthday cake just had Bitcoin cash. Ideas, ideas, it. ideas, ideas. Um, no, but shout out. Uh, it's actually a great segue to another topic as well. Uh, Anthony Towns doing incredible work. Uh, he actually sparked a discussion on the Bitcoin dev mailing list earlier this week, which I wrote about yesterday in the bent, uh, talking about. Uh, a, a potential activation pass for for BIP Taproot, which is actually three BIPs, BIP 340, 341, and 342. Um, and so him and Matt Corallo had a little back and forth that I wrote about. Uh, and I think anybody who is interested in Taproot and how uh, changes get implemented into Bitcoin Core and how they're okayed by the network beyond the developers uh, should definitely look into this discussion between anthony and matt and uh so there's a couple proposals anthony has one that builds on a proposal that luke dasher who was previously mentioned proposed last month in the form of bip 8 so you can go search bip 8 and this is very similar to bip 9 uh in that it has a sort of readiness threshold uh for miners and and full nodes and it has a flag day at which the uh, change will activate or not activate depending on if the threshold is met or not met and instead of a UTC time threshold it's a block height threshold and Matt Corrala from the way I understand it, it was a little apprehensive to, to okay this type of activation path but uh, regardless it's it's an interesting um, sort of facet of Bitcoin is activating these upgrades and, and how do you reach consensus on this? So it's something that should definitely be read up on if you're interested in this stuff and you should definitely know about uh, as a Bitcoiner. It demands extreme responsibility and that means understanding what these upgrades are, not just allocating trust to the developers, but trying to understand the stuff the best uh, that you can. What's Corallo's issue with this activation method? He's worried about the precedent uh it may set of people just saying, hey, the developers want this. It's okay, like the way the activation happens. He, from what I read, I could have been misreading it. It seems to be like he seems to be under the impression that could be uh, construed as a brute force activation from a developer sort of minority trying to force their ideas through. I kind of like the idea of could be wrong there. An updated That's client being released that like pops up a tooltip dialogue that's like, do you want to flag Taproot? And then, like, do you want do you, do you want to run Taproot? And then it gives you like links to for and against arguments. And then you select well, that's which one you like to do. That's a slippery slope. Didn't we have that sort of phishing attack with Electrum? Yeah, but I mean, if it's, I mean, it still would be like the open source Bitcoin core client. You just, you're basically packaging two clients in, in one, right? And you're just with like a slight variation. But uh, yeah, but like how? So like people can easily choose which one they want to run. But like how could you be certain it's not a phishing attack, right? If it's like a pop up with a link. 
Okay, so fuck the link. What if it was just like it just said taproot, no taproot, and you just choose which client you were running, just very easily. Um, I I I part of me feels like first of all I love that you know don't trust verified ethos of Bitcoin. I part of me just feels like uh, we're so scarred from the Segwit battle that we're almost like creating a self-fulfilling prophecy that we're going to battle over taproot when there's is what is the dissenting opinion on taproot so i don't think there's any dissenting opinion on taproot i mean there was that one that came out from like an a non-group of devs but turned out to be pretty toothless from what i understand but i think matt's consternation and his apprehensiveness uh, stems from the fact that yes like it's Obviously, most people want Schnorr and Taproot, but is this activation path setting a precedent that would make potentially more controversial uh, upgrades easier to to push through in the future? So just think about the precedent that this particular activation path sets. Yeah, I, I guess that's that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, and and so I think Matt's proposal he proposed it in early January. It would just take a bit longer to get it activated and there would be more debate and, and more time to, to hash things out and, and signal uh, about preparedness and, and actual um, willingness to, to include this stuff in the, in the code base. Look, I, I, you know, I don't really, I, I think I'm pro taproot, but I don't really have that strong of a, you know, I I I, I want to see the upgrade happen. So we'll see we'll see what what goes down here. We'll keep covering on an R. Well, I want to I, I want to see it happen because I think it makes obviously we focus on privacy a lot here. It helps with privacy, focus on scalability, and then utility, right? So this I've talked about it in the newsletter and on this pod. If you have your bingo boards, I've said that like four times already in this podcast, but. Um, selfishly like i think it would aid in my theory about jevin's paradox being applicable to bitcoin utxos because it would give with schnorr taproot graphroot mini scripts all working together it gives users more utility with their utxos you can write more complex scripts in it you can you can do more complex transactions with it which if my jevin's paradox theory is correct would would drive more efficiency per utxo and therefore more more usage of the bitcoin network developing this fee market that people are under the impression will not develop and if i'm not mistaken uh it brings the cost of multi-sig down right yes but I think that comes with like cross um, input SIG do aggregation. Need cross, do we need SIG ag for that? I think so, and that would come after. But this is a stepping stepping block towards that. Either way, what I want to see is people smarter than me having like I'm like been waiting for like someone smarter than me to have like a really good uh, dissenting opinion on it. That's what I've been waiting for. Um, and I just haven't seen it yet. And like full disclosure, like I was a fucking big blocker back in the day. 
like before the whole fight went down and like i was swayed in the other direction like i read dissenting opinions on that and i yeah, I like came around and and learned, and got educated. Never knew you were a big blocker. Did you follow Lop down like the XT path or something like that? You know, I thought Gavin was like great fucking dude. I did too at one point. Do not think that anymore. Uh, you know, I didn't understand like the externalities and like the cost and the idea that like if you're just pushing off cost on nodes, um and you're centralizing the network and no matter what, like those blocks are going to get filled up regardless. Um, it was a very glamorous thing to begin with, right? Like it was very simple. Like you just increase the block size. Yeah, remember the, uh, and then remember the two four, you get more transactions at lower fees. Like it seems simple enough, right? Yeah. The Hong Kong two, four, eight deal was a big, right. So it was, I was a big blocker before that. Okay. Like I came around like pretty early, but, what are you going to do? Yeah. Hey, you live and you learn. Live and learn. You live and you learn. Um, go learn about Taproot and a potential activation pass. And shout out to our boy, uh, JKL. He responded to yesterday's email asking, like, how can I, how does one join the conversation? It's a simple, I mean, just find any communication path. Um, JK, I'll have to respond to your email, so I'm sorry I'm a little late on that. But uh, it's as simple as getting on Twitter and, and speaking up. Obviously, it's not uh, the only communication method to use. You can get on Reddit. You can pop on Bitcoin IRC. IRC. Yeah. Mailing list. Mailing list. Um, obviously, approach it. Uh, try to educate yourself as much as possible um, before jumping into that like IRC and, and mailing list so that um yeah, don't spam the mailing list freeze. Yes. Um come with educated with a with a background. Don't don't join the mailing list and be like, hey, what is Tapper? Can you explain it to me? Um let's talk about something that I know more about. Uh Zap came out and Jack admitted Jack Mahler's admitted that they raised or like announced that in April they raised three point five million dollars. Um from I think Oak Ridge Capital was the lead investor there. Uh, nope, Green Oaks Capital. And Morgan Creek was involved too, with it, which is Mark Yusko and, and Pomp. Um, so, I mean, that's obviously mostly for the strike element of Zap, but it's all bundled together. So congrats on that fundraise. 3.5 mil. Making Zap, Zap um, all better. Blockchain Commons released their animated QR code demo. Did you see this? How fucking cool was this? It's really cool. And I actually had the opportunity to talk to Zach Herbert about it um, for a while yesterday. He's building foundation devices. And it really makes a lot of sense. Like, there's no... We talk about standardization a lot here, like HWI, um, PSBT standardization, um, uh, Lightning developer kit, Bitcoin developer kit standardization, and what they're trying to do at Blockchain Commons, shout out Christopher Allen and team uh, who've contributed to Fully Noted as well. Uh, they're trying to create like a QR code standardization uh, across wallet implementations so that um, it's just easier to, to sort of add these functionalities, QR code functionalities to wallets particularly. So if you watch the demo, which we'll link to, it's got different... It's really Yeah, cool. so 
way Zach described it to me, like the QR codes can hold a certain amount of data in them. And depending on the resolution of your, um, your wallet or a phone camera, uh, it sort of has to break those messages up into multiple QR codes. And so just being able to well, dissect that message through a it, camera is what the standard's trying to, to produce, I believe. It's more than that, right? Yeah. Like, so like you can only send so much data through a QR code, a static QR code, right? So these QR codes are those boxy things that you see that like Bitcoin addresses are, which are what Bitcoiners know it as, or you scan it with your phone camera or some kind of camera device, your, your, your computer. They're particularly useful for transferring data through air gap devices. So you don't have to connect them to each other, right? Right now we have the cold card can, does, does SD card uh, air gap. Um, QR code is great in theory, but it just doesn't transfer as much data. So like these new PSBTs, especially after that vulnerability that got announced where they have to transfer more data than before, um, it's just not practical to send them through a single QR code. So what they did was they did animated QR codes. So they can send an unlimited amount of data and you just keep your camera just pointed at it. So if we have hardware wallets and computers that are transferring information back and forth, um, they can transfer basically unlimited amount of data. And if it misses things in between, it also knows like where it is in it. So it can go back and fill in the blanks. Uh, it's, it's pretty slick. Yeah. The demo is like very aesthetically pleasing too. It's got like nice noises to it. If you're in ASMR, I, th- I imagine the uh, the clicking uh, of receiving parts of the the message via QR code <laughs> would would get you off. Um, but yeah, so, it's like, so you're against porn, but you're cool with ASMR. No, no, I said if you are cool, like I don't listen to ASMR, okay. but uh, um, yeah, stop watching porn freaks. Uh, shout, hello freaks, how's it going? <laughs> Um, but yeah, a team that's really had their nose to the grindstone, uh, doing stuff, Chris Allen and team at the blockchain commons, um, very underscored in the space right now. So pumped to see them release this and hopefully again, back going back to the standardization, uh, topic, like, this is incredible to see if we can get a QR code standardization, it's just one other area that uh more people can coordinate and build using which is which is great for the overall ecosystem and optionality for users at the end of the day putin putin's mad at bitcoin yeah so we're an hour and a half in so let's wrap this baby up you want to wrap it up i can go two hours dude Wow, I love it, Marty. I love it. Russian activists are using Bitcoin. Coindesk did a, uh, a not an expose. I don't know, fucking a uh, focus on it. Not a focus, a spotlight on it. Uh, and the main, the main Russian activist is, um, what's his name again? You just said it, Navalny, Alexei Navalny, Navalny. Um, who's run for president a bunch of times, been in jail a bunch of times, and they've stopped his political donations a ton of times, but they can't stop his Bitcoin donations. And what's really interesting here is just the fact that he can receive Bitcoin donations protects his fiat donations. 
because when they block the fiat donations, the Bitcoin donations go up, which is one thing we've talked about on the pod here many times, is when there is a need, people figure it out. They will, they will figure it out. So it provides cover. It's like, and this is one thing that we've actually talked about with, with shitcoins. Um, a lot of these shitcoins wouldn't exist if Bitcoin wasn't as, you know, censorship resistant as it was, right? It's so censorship resistant that governments are not incentivized to go after the low-hanging fruit because they're like, well, we, you know, we, we, we can't actually kill anything here. They'll just move somewhere else. Yeah. And I, I mean, and this really drives the point of, like we talked about last week with, or the week before, Venezuelan government accepting Bitcoin payments for passport uh, services and then the citizens of Venezuela actually using Bitcoin. It'll be interesting to see how these governments weigh the opportunity cost, right? Like, is allowing their citizens to use Bitcoin outside of the state jurisdiction um, worth putting up with if you can also use it yourself? And it seems that Russia, in this example, is not is not too happy about it. So the jurisdictional arbitrage in this regard will be interesting to watch play out as well as citizens under despotic governments uh, utilize Bitcoin while they're utilizing it as well. I mean, like, but Putin will never say it officially, but, like, he loves Bitcoin, so he's not going to fucking go after the network. He'll try and go after the users in Russia, um, but he's he's limited in that respect. Uh, and, and the other thing here, which is interesting, is, like, the spokesperson for his campaign said to Coindesk that um, it's, it's a negative that they can't do automatic reoccurring donations. Like, I just, I hear this a lot, you know, no automatic subscriptions, no automatic donations. Like, this is like old world thinking, you know, like, like, that's a feature, not a bug. Like, there's no, first of all, it will never be solved. I'm sorry. It's just you're never going to have the ease of just pulling money out of people's credit cards and bank accounts. But that's good. You know, like people should pay you when they want to pay you. I, I don't I, I think we got to we got to get past this. This idea of it as a negative of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency like this is a this is overwhelmingly a positive. Switch your models to yearly or monthly instead of daily or whatever it is. And they'll pay you when they want to use it or when they want to contribute. I think our favorite VPN is a, a great example of that, Molvad. Like I just re-upped my Molvad yearly subscription earlier this week, and I just got a notification like, "Hey, your one year your one year tokens running out. Like you need to re-up." And it's pretty simple. Yeah, and if you don't do it, like you don't get VPN service. Yeah. Right. Like that's a pretty good incentive. And and one thing with that is, you know, with VPN specifically, is like you really want to do it while you still have VPN service so you can use the VPN to pay it. Because <laughs> you don't want to do it on ClearNet. Well, that's if you're paying over your browser with a debit card, right? Or PayPal. Like, I pay with Bitcoin. Well, even if you're paying with Bitcoin, it's nice to connect to Mulvad with a VPN. So they're getting paid from their servers. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise your ISP knows you're going to Mulvad to pay them. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you could use Tor browser and um, 
that lightning tool uh, that Carl Dong made. Oh yes, which is accessible through Tor. He has an streaming site, payments so you for can it. Do it that way. Yeah. Shout to Carl Dong, legend of the game, doing his best to uh, to make sure Bitcoin has secure, reproducible builds, geeks builds. My last three topics here are all state surveillance stuff. Last two topics, right? Microsoft and oh yeah, but I mean I was including the Russian activists. Yeah. Um, Microsoft's fucking. Did you see this article? Yeah, they're like partnering with police forces, loading up facial recognition stuff to Azure. What else are they doing? But they're, meanwhile, they're virtue signaling about like being pro BLM and shit. Yeah. See, we're not just angry at Coinbase. Like, if you sell surveillance fucking software, like you're an enemy of the people. That's just what it is. Even if you're Microsoft. Even if you're Microsoft. Microsoft can fuck themselves. Yeah. Bill Gates. Not a part with them anymore, but um, what the hell, man? What the hell? So this article was by The Intercept. They do great work on this in this topics. Um, they have this Microsoft domain awareness system, which is a pretty crazy... They have screenshots from it, which is pretty crazy. It's It helps police uh aggregate all of their surveillance cameras and whatnot um they have microsoft's connected officer um for internet of things surveillance um they have all these different police tools and then on top of that their cloud is a government certified cloud that runs a bunch of other subcontractors shit uh meanwhile they virtue signal like crazy pretending like they're just like helping the world so hypocrisy at its finest yeah i think switch to linux let's use it as heuristic if these major corporations are um are really on your side or for a certain cause um it's probably not really revolutionary they they want to they want to maintain their their status as stalwarts of, of industry and crony capitalism. Um, so if they're championing causes, you can use a heuristic to say, Hey, uh, this may not be revolutionary or it may not bring the change that we, that we hope it will. Just word to the wise. This other one's pretty scary as well. How do you pronounce this? Miter? Meter? Have you ever heard of them? No, I mean, no, that's the point of the article. It's like, hush, hush. Uh, I've never heard of them before. I think that's the point. I think shout out to uh, this Forbes reporter, Thomas Brewster, uh, for bringing this story to light. It seems that the U.S. government, Department of Homeland Security particularly, uh, is working with a third party to track anybody, not even U.S. citizens. People come across the border, uh, people at protest, uh, people who may or may not have COVID, um, basically hacking smartwatches they're tracking metadata and sharing it with collecting human fingerprints from social media websites how is that possible that's like the i think it's like pictures like if you take a picture with a glass or something and your fingers are showing or like your fingerprints on the glasses are showing like you're like cheers and like on the on the beer glass your fingerprint is there i don't know it doesn't really explain how but that's fucking crazy right how do you pronounce this company? Mitri? 
Mitter? Mitter? Miter? Mitri. M-I-T. I think that's part of it. M-I-T-R-E, yeah. One of the interesting things they mentioned in here is they were actually integral in taking down uh, Ross Ulbricht and uh, Silk Road. They were participating in that as well. Free Ross. Which has the Bitcoin connection. Free Ross. Um, fuck, man. It's a fucked up, it's a fucked up expose. It is. It's a fucked up world right now, dude. Like these PPP loans are about to run out. The extra $600 in unemployment support is about to run out the end of this week, I believe, or next week. We were talking about it before we hit record. Like this fall is going to be interesting, man. Um, I'm, uh, I'm surprised. You know, like I wasn't one for UBI, but like if you're gonna force close businesses, and this is what we've talked about this before, like if you're gonna like force close businesses, like the government's got to step in, and and they got they gotta give people money, like that's that that's just like that should be the tit for tat, like you're gonna close it. So I'm really surprised that we haven't seen Trump bucks, more Trump bucks. Uh, and I think it just is like an automatic win for him in the election. You know, like it just, it, that, that's obviously will build support if, if you give people money. People like getting money. Uh, they don't care about the long term, whatever it is. And the other thing is like, uh, what was it? Alyssa Milano? Uh, <laughs> yeah posted about just printing money and giving it to she people posted like the, UBI she posted the wikipedia of, link to quantitative easing <laughs> yeah a bunch of people got triggered by it and like we're arguing with her in the twitter comments um i don't have to argue with her in the twitter comments because i have bitcoin that's the point right like well you know they can i i i guess this is like the accelerationist in me showing right but like whatever like you you do you and I don't have to get triggered by that, and I don't have to argue with you because I have money that you can't do that with. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I and a lot of the freaks out there listening completely agree with you. But uh, and I actually, I mean, UBI obviously among Bitcoiners is taboo and the Antichrist. But uh, I mean, if you're going to shut down the economy, it, I think it makes more sense to inject the working and middle class with capital instead of the corporations who have done stock buyback. I mean, yeah, if you're going to print money, like give it to everyone instead of just giving it to like a select few at the top. Yeah. It's like, that's a pretty simple, that seems pretty simple to me. And then like, if I get it, like I'm going to buy Bitcoin, Same, like but like full disclosure, but it's like, ah, uh, this is where like the Alex Jones tinfoil hat Marty comes on. Like, are they like controlled destruction of the middle and working class? Like it is, it is like, but is it controlled? And I don't think that's Alex Jones. I mean, we've already seen. But that, is it, that's is it what a cons- we've seen without you? But is it a concerted right? effort to, like, is it a concerted effort or is it, is it malice or incompetence? I'm trending towards malice. It's, it's mostly malice, but it's not like there's like a. I don't think there's like this secret cabal. I think they're just like, like our buddies at the top, like in the, like are, will all benefit a, from our policy. That's a cabal. <laughs> you just described a cabal. <laughs> I guess, but I'm just saying, like, it doesn't have to be like it's not super complicated. No, you know, it's just a, it's it's I they're also at the top, so like I'm benefiting myself. You know, it's a 
it's greed. Like humans are greedy, right? Like that's the beauty of Bitcoin is that is that the incentives are set up that you if you're greedy, it's good for the whole system. Well, then that's the question, though. Like, if that is the case, and the working and middle class and lower classes are just getting bled dry, are they just waiting to bleed us dry to a point where we can't fight back? Like, what's it, like we were discussing before we hit record? What's this fall going to be like with the systemic unemployment? And and there's actually a Forbes article came out today made a great case that the shutdowns may actually do more harm to people's health in the sh- short to medium term than the actual virus. Uh, well, especially without UBI. Without UBI, like people aren't going to get checked to see if they have cancer. People are having strokes and mini heart attacks and not going to the hospital out of fear that they'll get COVID. And at what like what? I think we're at the point where the opportunity cost is is way out of whack. Yeah, we fucked up, and, and and to to give a hat tip towards potential incompetence rather than malice, it may just be like a sunk cost fallacy from a from a policy standpoint, where politicians and the people that they've allocated power to are just so dedicated to their solutions and their reputation that it's maybe they're too far gone too much sunk cost and the shutdown that it it's they have too much ego to backtrack on that who knows i think it's mostly malice and greed and it is what it is that's you know it's it's broken incentives the incentives are fucking broken and you know i try not to get too caught up in it because that's why i bitcoin um there's one of the reasons I Bitcoin, at least. Um, and it is an insurance policy. And I, I would push back on the idea that they could break us uh, from from fighting back. Like, I mean, if that's the plan, like, they got a long way to go still. That's, you know, I, I don't think... Dude, have you looked at the permanent um, unemployment numbers? Yeah, but it's, you know, I... I mean, look, we'll we'll see how it plays out. It's not a, it's not a positive situation. It's it's, I mean, look, all you have to do is see the unemployment numbers and see stock market go up, right? And that is, you combine those two things together, and that's the rich getting richer, and the th- that's why I, I refuse to like uh, berate the berate the Robin Hood class of traders, right? Because they're just trying to get their take, right? Right, and then they don't hate the player, hate the game. Right, the the game is broken, the incentives are broken, uh, and you know maybe uh, maybe we need like a little bit of chaos before it all works out better. You know, and is that going to be good? No, like that'll fucking suck. But like the status quo is fucking broken. It's like so fucking foregone. So like that's that's my state of reference and and you know I'm bullish on bitcoiners the the groups of people that we surround ourselves with all the time um fortunately not enough recently at least in person uh give me hope and I'm going to see a bunch of bitcoiners tomorrow so that's good so there you go Where at Oh uh, I I'll mention to you after the pod I was supposed to bring it up to you privately Okay um, 
We are not talking about it now on the podcast. I uh, no, I agree. I, I mean, just thinking of not letting like an economic collapse happen, but letting like true cleansing of the system happen that may be in our, our near future and it's not going to be pretty it will be tumultuous you gotta rip the band-aid yeah yeah but in the meantime you know if you're going to print the money you might as well just send me a check that's yeah. like how send I me a check it. turn that into bitcoin we're all pull it up <laughs> put it in cold storage find your citadel uh subscribe to this podcast go rip your neighbor's nest uh surveillance system off off their doorbell uh do your part. Be an Uncle Jim. Uh, rate, subscribe, share the podcast, share the newsletter, um, share the tutorial videos. One man at a time. One mind at a time. It's the mission we're on here. Bitcoin is protest money. Stack that shit. That's all we got this week. Peace and love, freaks.